This is episode 455 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Perfect Prepper Electronics When the Power Grid Fails. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by Audible. Now, Audible books were one of the inspirations for this podcast. I purposely don't add bumper music to the podcast because I want it to feel more like an audiobook that just starts and provides value. So I love to learn and grow through audiobooks, and Audible makes that so easy. If you are not a member of Audible, you can join for free for 30 days and start your Audible journey with two free audiobooks. The great thing about Audible is that you can cancel at any time and you get to keep the books you have downloaded. For more information, click the link in the show notes or go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com forward slash audible. All right, guys. So here we have another Friday and another Article. This article is actually coming from my personal website, edthatmatters.com, but I didn't write it. And so this was written by a guest author. His name is Marcus Tipton. He's a former homesteading and prepper consultant. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got some great information. He's written a couple of articles for me that I'm going to be sharing on the podcast here in the future. But, uh, you know, I just I wanted to point that out, that he's a, a guest author and he's written some books as well. And so at the very end of the, uh, the articles, you know, there is his, his bio. And you can also, I mean, if you're interested and you want to ask him some questions, you can email him off of the article. And then you can also... Uh, go to Amazon. There is a, a link there where you can go and see the books that he has written and uh, see if that they interest you. And maybe after you hear this article, it might interest you. Maybe his writing style might be one of those things that you want to go and investigate some of the books that he's written. But this article is written uh, with the perspective of uh, the grid, you know, the grid failing. And then what do you do because of that, Right. And a lot of the times people think that, well, okay, we're just going to wait for the authorities to get the grid back up, but that might not happen. And I remember listening to Fernando Aguirre, or Furfall, who does The Modern Survivalist, and he talked about, you know, when, when in Argentina, when they were, you know, struggling or whatever, and relief came, relief came to the people that were in the cities first, right? Now, this is... This is in the in the case of not being a, a complete collapse, right? So there is, you know, some kind of society civility still going on, and so the 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 cities were really taken care of first, and then you know the people out in the uh, in the rural communities were taken care of, and a lot of the times they weren't taken care of. They were actually, um, you know, just kind of left there, and a lot of them. Uh, had to deal with, you know, being uh, their security and defense and all the type of stuff on their own. And that's one reason why he talked about that. It wasn't always good to be out there. Now, in a total collapse, that might be a total different scenario. But the idea, one of the reasons why we prep is so that we can take our own responsibility for, you know, our family and for the needs that we have. And you might have an elderly 
an elderly parent or somebody who needs to have a fan for for whatever reason. Let's say the, the grid does fail and you know you're you have an elderly uh, grandfather or parent or whatever that lives with you and they need to be cool. They need to have a little bit of air circulation and so you might want to have some power, some some limited power. Of course, you're not going to be able to run your whole, your whole house on it or whatever, but you'll be able to run some of the things that you really need. Maybe some lights in the evening and and you can charge up your uh, your ham radios and batteries and different things like that. So this article talks a little bit about that and gives you a little bit of ideas or at least gets you hopefully to that place where you're starting to think about, you know, what would you do if the grid went down? How would you provide yourself and your family with power so that you can continue on with some of the things that you might need? Of course, you know, again, you're not always going to be able to provide uh, air conditioning like you know I live in Houston definitely we we I don't know if we could survive without air conditioning right um, it would it would take a lot of getting used to but there's a lot of other things we would want power for so let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to stop talking I'm going to jump right into this article again it's entitled perfect prepper electronics when the power grid fails and it's coming to you from my personal website edthatmatters.com let's go ahead and start The electrical grid is one of the most vital aspects of modern infrastructure and ironically, the most vulnerable to attack, both natural and man-made. The 1859 Carrington event reduced large swaths of both the American and European telegraph networks to ineffective, non-functional scrap in an instant. Bear in mind that the telegraph of the day was akin to our modern cell phones. Such a loss hampered both the personal and professional lives of a vast portion of the industrialized world of the day. In 1989, the outer fringes of a solar storm left virtually all of the Canadian province of Quebec powerless. In 2012, a solar storm far larger than the two previously noted events just barely missed hitting the Earth. Such a storm, had it hit, would have virtually destroyed most of the electrical grids around the world, leaving not just cities or even singular states or provinces without power, but entire nations. The estimated death toll from such a relatively common but universal standard global event would number in the tens of millions, despite cries of conspiracy theorists or alarmists or other similarly derogatory names and connotations, being a prepper merely means being prepared for what is by all rights and all likelihood an inevitable eventuality under current circumstances with modern technology limited as it is. So while the 2012 storm was not pre-reported and was barely covered in the news, it was only one extreme event in a series of similar events that have occurred throughout the history of the planet. Much of the talk these days refers to rebuilding the grid in the event of such an occurrence. These projections, however, fail to take into consideration the fact that many, if not most of the people who have the capacity to do this, live in the inner cities, and many would not survive a catastrophe of this nature. Further, this totally ignores the logic behind rebuilding such a flawed and eventually failed system to begin with. Even if the grid were wholly reconstructed, it would not reach the preppers until after such a time as peace and order has been quote-unquote restored in the inner cities, likely through martial law and all manner of infringement on individual liberties and freedom. Even then, power would be intermittent and less than wholly reliable, as it already is in far too many locations, ideally suited for the serious prepper. Thus, 
it is necessary for the prepper to consider alternatives to such an eventuality. Now, if you are like the author, you likely have numerous small Faraday cages on site. They are likely filled with CB radios, spare laptops, maybe even a spare ham radio, electronic components and other electronic equipment, and perhaps even a spare brain box or three for vehicles. Some people may even have a spare alternator or three in their Faraday cages, and if not, they should be added at the earliest possible point in time. It may not actually be a bad idea to store additional 12-volt DC deep cycle marine batteries into a cage or two as well, and maybe keep some 55-gallon drums and a fan belt or three on standby. All right, so the 55-gallon drums, guys, he's going to talk about that here in just a second. Um, I don't know if deep cell batteries, if you really need to put that in a Faraday cage. I mean, I, I don't think there's there's not really any electronic components there. And uh, maybe it's just being safe there. And uh, and then the uh, the idea that uh, putting all these things into Faraday cages, you would need a lot of Faraday cages. But, you know, there you go. Some people have a lot of Faraday cages. So that's kind of where he's coming from. All right, so continuing on. One of the first issues the author had on their homestead was a dead battery on the vehicle and no means to charge it. Ultimately, this issue was resolved utilizing a weed eater on hand attached to an alternator belt tied down with an assortment of tape and rope to spin the alternator and charge the battery. This experience ultimately resulted in the need to add power to priorities for the prepper paradise the author owned at the time. Working on a budget, the end result was a homemade windmill constructed out of two 55-gallon drums that had been cut in half vertically or lengthwise, the rear end from a junk car, an alternator, a harmonic balancer where the rear U-joint would normally go, connected to the alternator via a standard fan belt and a rather crude though effective centrifugal brake due to the high winds blowing across the desert of northern Nevada. The expensive power inverter however was beyond the financial capacity of the author at the time and had to be put on hold still power was both a priority and a necessity for any work to be accomplished on the prepper property the answer involved a great deal of rewiring for both the camper and the house trailer that were home at the time fortunately most of this was done with speaker wire and the standard light switches worked just as well with speaker wire as they do with electrical wire Though what can really be accomplished when a house is wired with 12-volt DC current? The answer, a whole lot more than most people would imagine. Some wheeling and dealing with the local junkyard ultimately resulted in the acquisition of a half dozen deep cycle marine batteries. Headlights, even before the day of the Xenon headlights, were quite sufficient for lighting up even the largest rooms in the camper and the trailer. The addition of reflectors helped to spread the light more evenly through the rooms. Standard 1156 signal bulbs, or the 1157 brake lights, worked fine for lighting the hallway, the bathroom, and just for keeping a little bit of light inside even at night. The advent and expansion of LED displays and other lighting technology makes 12-volt lighting today virtually indistinguishable from standard AC voltage lighting. The author, and likely his neighbors in the city and definitely his dad, would have to admit to playing the music a little too loud. But can this be accomplished when living with only a 12-volt DC system? Granted, some of the boombox cars use a power inverter to power their car stereos, but even the old car stereos with a good graphic equalizer 
and a power amp were more than sufficient for filling any single room or even the entire trailer with the desired melodies being easily heard, often in amazingly good stereo quality. The current technology of today is such that a 12-volt DC system will provide television with DVD and VCR capacity, more incredible stereo sound and volume, and can even run video games, laptops, and other means of entertainment. Additional advancements in technology allow for a 12-volt cigarette lighter attachment to be utilized for many things that may otherwise not run on 12-volt DC power directly. Charging cell phones? Not a problem. CB radios and other means of communications can be run directly without any need for an expensive power inverter. As was noted in the opening phase of the article, such a solar storm is scientifically, geologically, and statistically inevitable. As a prepper, what is more likely to be a more immediate concern? Rebuilding the grid that fell to begin with in large urban centers with starving populations, rioting and killing, virtually unchecked, restrictive martial laws, or having the capacity not only to repower their own prepper paradise and maybe even having an adequate supply of the requisite materials on hand, and more importantly, the knowledge to provide power at home. Plans are readily available for homemade windmills such as the one described herein. Virtually all of the larger storage locations that are not used on a daily basis should be established or built up as Faraday cages and they should be fully stocked with an ample supply of relatively cheap and available parts and supplies. 55 gallon drums can be purchased inexpensively, often from businesses that routinely discard them and even clean them before selling or disposing of them. Used alternators from a junkyard can be hooked up to anything that spins for testing. To test them, merely use a screwdriver or other long steel object with a plastic or rubber handle and touch it to the center of the rear of the alternator. If there is a magnetic response, the alternator is generating an, an electrical charge and can be used in a windmill or any other means that will allow it for it to be constantly spun to generate sufficient electrical energy to maintain a charge on the batteries. For a small added cost, there are even devices that can be hooked up to the battery bank to show the actual charge remaining in the batteries or other equally relevant and important information. Ideally, all of the inadequacies of the current electrical grid system will be fully redesigned, planned, and implemented before the inevitable solar system destroys the power grid. Such a scenario, however, looks increasingly unlikely as despite numerous warnings and comparatively minor events in the past, absolutely nothing meaningful or substantial has been done to reinforce the power grid. In the event of such a catastrophic disaster, an inexpensive but expansive selection of spare parts properly stored for such an eventuality with the proper knowledge can quite literally leave the prepper in a position of real power, both literally and figuratively. All right, guys, that's it for this article. And so let me just share a couple of ideas here, a couple, a couple of thoughts. When Marcus first sent this to me and I was reading it and, and getting it ready to put up on Ed That Matters, um, I, I was thinking about something that Jack Spirko of the Survival Podcast said years ago. You know, one of the things he said that even if an EMP was to knock out all the power and all the electrical grid and all of that, that the knowledge that people have would it far outweighs what, you know, we would be going again, I guess, to make a long story short, 
we wouldn't be going back to the 1800s. So many people have knowledge, knowledge how to turn alternators into ways to create an electrical charge. There's going to be a lot of batteries, different things like that. We will be able to power. Or would we be able to live exactly like we live now? No. But would we go back to the 1800s or to caveman times or, or whatever? Probably not because we do have a lot of knowledge that we could start to apply. People are, uh, are very smart and very creative. Now, are there a bunch of ding-dongs out there? Yes. Would a lot of people die? Yes. I mean, if we had, if we encountered an EMP scenario like a lot of people talk about, would a lot of people die? Yes. Would it be terrible? Yes. Would it, would it suck? Yes. It would totally suck. Everybody would wish that, hey, we wouldn't care who was the president of the United States, just as long as we had electric lights on, you know, electricity, if we had AC, if we had, you know, cold, uh, you know, cold uh, drinks to drink and, and ice and, and, and running water and all that kind of stuff, right? So, I mean, we put everything into perspective, but we wouldn't fully go back to the 1800s. There's just a lot of knowledge out there and people are smart and we will make do and we would we would find ways to do that. And so one of the things, I mean, that, that kind of was jogged in my memory, right? That, that thought was jogged in my memory when I was reading this and when I was reading about his windmill. I mean, he lived on a homestead and they kind of made do, right? I mean, there was this, this thing like, hey, we need to have power so we're going to go ahead and we're going to make this windmill and and we're going to make it you know work with with whatever we can find whatever we can you know we can barter we can trade we can beg whatever and we're going to run you know electrical uh, wire speaker wire to you know uh, brake lights and and all this kind of stuff and we're going to wire it in a way that we can have some kind of light and we can have some kind of, of means to be able to see what we're doing and not just depend on candles and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's one of the, the things that we should be thinking about, right? One of the things is like, you know, and, and that comes from problem solving now where, where we get to maybe, you know, you have a problem and I've talked about this in the past where something breaks down and you go to figure out how to fix it. You know, I was at a, a training this week and it was great because one of the, the, the presenters got up and they were talking about some software that they used and, and how they merged different uh, spreadsheets or whatever. And, and they were talking about data, right? But anyway, they were like, hey, I, I just learned how to do this. I just went to YouTube and I learned. And I've talked about that a lot, not necessarily for software or whatever or data, but going to going to YouTube and learning how to fix you know, something like in your plumbing or your garbage disposal or even a computer or something simple like a lamp that you fix or whatever, where you don't have to throw that stuff away, but but you're able to fix it. And that helps you to problem solve and how and how to, you know, work through things and and and, and think about the flow of how things would work and, and, and do that. You know, one of the things that Marcus said was there's plenty of plans online where you can go and you can find a basic windmill and how to set up a basic windmill to turn an alternator so that you can charge batteries, right? And that, you know, wouldn't be too difficult to do. You just need to be able to think it through and have an idea of what it would look like. And then you need to have some materials to be able to, to get these things done, right? And then tools, Tools are very important, right? Tools are going to be very valuable if something like this was to ever go down. And so he talked a lot about, um, you know, he talked, he said EMP, but he talked a lot about solar and, you know, the solar flares and, and things that happen that way. 
you know, a lot of the times people will talk about, you know, a foreign nation throwing an EMP or whatever. The other thing that we don't always talk about so much is that our grid is so vulnerable. One of the last things he was talking about was nothing has been done to really protect our grid. And that's what's sad is, you know, the commission, the e, the commission on the on the EMP and all that kind of stuff. I can't remember the official name of it. Right. It came out the same day it was released that the 9-11 Commission released their their findings. So, of course, everybody you know was was tied into the 9-11 and no one really read the other, you know, the other release of information that the, the EMP committee had. And of course, it's not the EMP committee. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, I mean, they said that it wouldn't be that much money. I mean, relative to what the United States spends on all kinds of different things and different projects to protect our grid, right? And to, to keep it from, you know, a solar flare or uh, a foreign nation, you know, creating an EMP and knocking it out. But the other thing that we don't always talk about is that it's so vulnerable to an internet attack, to a cyber attack. And that is one of the things that is kind of scary too, because then you don't need to have a solar flare. You don't need to have uh, a foreign nation somehow shoot off a rocket and go to the middle of the United States and blow up. You just need someone with an internet connection somewhere in the world that is able to tap in and to send code to our, you know, to our grid. Now, I did share, if you are a member of my email list, I did share an email or I started doing a thing on Saturdays where I just, you know, throughout the week, I find different articles that I think are interesting that I don't necessarily always put on Prepper website. But this, you know, there might be one or two articles, maybe a video that's kind of interesting. And I kind of send it out on Saturday morning. So if you're not tied into my email list, then you can easily come on over to the Prepper website or PrepperWebsite.com and, uh, you know, sign up for our email list. Right. But if, uh, if, if one of the, the articles, I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm trying to get to that, is one of the articles that, uh, that I shared out was that there is, you know, they've been kind of wargaming getting the grid up. But it did take 14 days, right? So, I mean, they were wargaming getting the grid up and, and uh, you know, th- th- they were throwing all these kinds of things at the people that they were wargaming against. And I think it was like, um, it, was, it was two teams of the same department i can't remember exactly what it was but uh, or you know the name of the department but they were wargaming against each other and trying to use the tools that they have nowadays to to get the grid back up but it did take 14 so they did do it but it did take 14 days so think about what would happen in 14 days with no electricity out there i mean that's not something you want to think about right but like I said, again, eventually they did get it up. It's not something we really want to think about, but it is vulnerable. And what if it was so prevalent that that, you know, whatever it was uh, creating uh, that attack was so bad that they weren't able to get it up in 14 days? Maybe it takes a lot longer than that. So what are we going to do? We need to be thinking about that and be uh, in, in have some kind of idea and some plans. Having having deep cell marine batteries and having some solar panels, man, that can that can do a world of difference for you. I mean, you always would have that backup. It's always nice to have that, anyways. 
but you would, you know, that would be a great backup for you, right? Think about your needs, your your the the people that are in your household. What kind of needs they have? Do you have anybody who is on medicine that needs to be refrigerated, right? Uh, can you can you refrigerate? Do you have a means to keep things cool if it was summertime? If it was if it was hot. So just a lot of those types of things and, and questions, it's not one of those things to fear or uh, to, to freak out about, but I think it's one of those things that we should be thinking about. One of those things like, hey, what would I do here? You know, do I have this ability here? Can I, gra- can I grab some materials very quickly? Um, do I have what it takes as far as tools? And do I have the know-how? Do I know how things work? to be able to hook something up that I can use it, right? And so that's just part of the preparedness mindset that you're able to problem solve and come up with the best solution for you and for your family. So guys, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes. You can kind of come over and check it out. Like I said, if you want to interact with Marcus, he has his email here. And also you can link to his books uh, down below. But uh, you can come on over to edthatmatters.com and check that out. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 455 and another week of podcast episodes in the books. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. I really do appreciate it. Hey, remember that if you are not subscribed to the show, you can head on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and if you are not if you are not on the email list, you can come on over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and also uh, Prepper website, and you can sign up for our email list there. And while you're at uh, Prepper website, you know you can check out all the other articles that are there that I don't read on the podcast because we do link to articles 24-7, and there's a lot of great stuff there that you're missing if you're not going to Prepper website. So if you have some time to be able to go and explore, I know that you're going to find an article that will pique your interest that you will want to read and grab a little bit more information about. Hey, and if you get the chance, don't forget to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.